Hello and welcome to Miss Bossy Boots. My name is Stacey Morgan. Hope you're having a great day. I'm joined by my co-host, the Managing Director of Dragonfly Marketing. Even though I heard a rumour she was moving away from Dragonfly. Just the name. Just Just the the name. name. Mm. Jane Hilston. (laughs) Hello, Stace. How are you? I am... uh, I am full of apologies because we feel like we've kind of dropped the ball a little bit since we got back from social media marketing world. Things yes. have been hectic. Yes. Normally you and I got time to catch up and we're like, what are we going to do and where are we going? And the moment it's just like a text, am I meeting you in five minutes? Yes. Good. <laughs> I met Jane for a, a, a meeting on Thursday, got all dressed up for her, put new earrings on, just saying, where I sat and waited for her for 40 minutes. And then I texted her and said, are we doing this? And she said, next That's week. next week. Yep. yep. We sure are. Good. Yep. <laughs> Good. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm really early. Yeah, yeah. Just really early. Well, do you know, you created 40 minutes of time in your day to just go and have a coffee and um, sit there and tap your fingers angrily waiting for me to show up. But, it was delightful. But yeah, <laughs> yes, it has been crazy and I I don't know why. Like I feel like I want to blame that we were away for a week and and work built up, but it didn't. It's it didn't. not that. It's just that, you know, I think it's this time of year. For me, April is the month where everyone decides that, okay, yeah, we're doing this with marketing. Oh, so right. they've kind of thought about it in January and then they kind of get to April and go, oh, That's still right. haven't done that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, we're on it now. Yep, let's let's go. So every year, it's, it's consistent every year. Everything kicks off in April. So uh, it is a busy time for, for me, but, you know, good problems to have. Yeah, absolutely. And by the time this airs, it'll be past April and you'll be flying. Yep. Cruise mode, sort of. <laughs> Your children are also very talented, so you're doing all the sporting things. Yes, it's been a particularly hectic term for sports. We have one daughter who is um, really, really good at basketball and she just seems to have made it into every single extracurricular rep in cast. Yeah, which has meant pretty much every weekend this term we've been, you know, basketballing around the state, which which I think should end by the end of this term, which is good. She's <laughs> very proud of her, but good. yes, let's wrap that one up for yeah. the year. Yeah. <laughs> I've just finished the Easter Hat Parade um, where my daughter is a, her very first Easter Hat Parade. Of course, a lot of pressure behind the Easter Hat. What, what are we going to do? What are we going to... I um, I just did Mum of the Year and bought <laughs> bought a hat on um, Hastings Buy Swap Sell, which is a Facebook buy and swap group. So, yeah, Mum of the Year. Um, nothing wrong with that. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that justification. Anyway, she loved it. She thought it was great. I kept it at the studio and then I, like, revealed it the night before and she's like, oh, Mum, you've done such a good job. I was like, I know. I have nailed it. (laughs) Anyway, then um, I went and spent an hour and a half of my life at the Easter Hat Parade and watched her walk around in a circle and then when I went to see her afterwards and said, that was great, babe. You were wonderful. I'm so proud of you. She said, it didn't even stay on my head. I was like, oh, good. Um, hence why we don't put a lot of effort into Easter hats. Because imagine if you would have made it. It wouldn't have even got to the head. Oh, it would have been soul crushing if she'd said that, whereas I was able to like brush it off. And then I went and got in the car and started Googling boarding schools. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. She's in kindergarten. So, you know, that could be happening quite soon. Yeah. Well. You know, um, there's lots of options. So we are going to crack straight into our podcast, right, uh, our podcast, meeting our podcast guest, I should say. Can't even get my words <laughs> right this Friday. Um, 
I'm really excited about the conversation that we're just about to have. And I had this conversation with our guest, Brooke. Um, I had this conversation with Brooke probably six months ago now. And I must say, it's a conversation I probably hadn't anticipated to have. And it really awoke a part of my mind um, that I thought, wow, this is not something I've even put thought into. So um, immediately I said, Brooke, we need to have you on our show. And um, her full name is Brooke Mags, and she has a business called She Desires. And I'm going to let her talk to you about what this business is all about and how it serves uh, the lady that she's that the ladies that she serves. Welcome, Brooke. Thanks so much for having me. It's so exciting. It I'm sorry exciting. that you have come in in the chaos of our lives. <laughs> but we're so glad to have it's you. It's fine. We're all living in chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And I've been particularly bad, and I've already apologised prolifically. So and good. poor Brooke, she she really she's had to kind of guess her way to to this recording, and so. Thank you for, for putting up with us no over the last three weeks. But let's dive straight yes. in. So please tell us about She Desires. Tell us about what it is, what it does, who it serves yes. and why. And why. That's a big question. Yeah. So She Desires is a company that I built and it's coaching and workshops that help busy women, usually mothers, uh, regain their sense of self and their vitality. I've got no idea what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're speaking my language. Yeah. Go. Yes. <laughs> and I think the way we set up our lives, we're pulled from here to there. We have an endless to-do list and it really creates um, a numbness within our bodies and uh, a real disconnection. And that disconnection starts from within and then it flows into our relationships. So I learned a whole lot of stuff about the psychology of love and desire through my degree and, and research. And I thought, if only I had known this, you know, when I was in my long-term relationship, that it really would have uh, changed a lot of things. I think when we know better, we can make better choices. We all want love to last and we don't just want it to kind of limp along. We actually want to feel good um, more often and not critical and stressed and overwhelmed and overscheduled and um, kind of that whole where you get to the end of the weekend and you've divided and conquered and you've drop the kids off at netball and soccer and, you know, you've had a dinner party and you realise you actually haven't had a conversation. You have just <laughs> described my life. <laughs> I've described everyone's life. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what can we do about it, right? What is the practical, what are we going to do about it? Mm. Um, because when our lights go out and it affects how we mother, it affects how we are in our relationships, but more, it, you just start to feel that quiet discontentment and that bubbling dissatisfaction and it and life is for living and mm. I think how can we sustain that sense of aliveness within ourselves and our relationships mm. so that's why I began it because I thought more people need to know this absolutely <laughs> and and this is and, and when and, and one thing I'll just get you to clarify when you're talking about vitality yeah. and our light going out Yes. What? What? You're not kind of talking about, you know, getting on the latest multivitamin. <laughs> no. You're talking Although, about something quite yeah, different. Of course. Yes. Of course. So, um, when we think about wellness, we think about we do think about supplements and juicing and whatever kale, um, some yoga, <laughs> all the kale. <laughs> you know, getting seven hours of sleep at night. But the real missing conversation in the well-being space is our sensuality, and 
that is at the crux of our life force. And I think... And every woman just turned their car stereo up. I was going to say, every woman turned their car stereo off. (laughs) They're like, I don't want to hear this. No, no, I think up. If they're listening in the car, they're like, oh, oh. uh, What? What now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Keep talking. And I I think our sensuality is almost like the canary in the coal mine, right? We're really comfortable about talking about all these other wellness things. Um, But caring for your sensuality is an important part of caring for yourself and your relationship. And really, when we educate ourselves on what happens in our relationships, what is the difference between love and desire? How do they work differently? How can you foster both? Um, Your life transforms. <laughs> Stace and I are just looking at each other. You're like, how say, can I get this? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and that's right. And this is the conversation that we had. Yeah. And I've got to say, like I, I I must say, I wasn't conscious of it. You know, I think yes. there's this conversation that probably happens among women where we all go, oh, yes, you know, gosh, sex, forget it. You know, mm. I might if, – if, if my husband pesters me enough, well, I might relent or <laughs> – yeah. You know, or you know, there, there are always there are some yeah. um, girls that are some women who have fabulous sex lives, and that's great, and we all live vicariously through them. But the rest of us are like, oh yeah, if I get time to it, if I get yes. the, if I have the energy, is it my birthday? <laughs> I actually have a friend that calls it ABC anniversaries, birthdays, and Christmas. That's it's right. like a tick. <laughs> exactly, and you get to this point where you just think, oh, but. You know, it's just the stage of life we're yeah. in and it's just because we're busy, that will come back at some stage. You know, once rep basketball's finished, <laughs> I'm sure we'll <laughs> I'm sure we'll have more time on, on the agenda. And that might happen or it might not, because you know, I think something that um, a lot of people say about marriages and relationships is that they get lost in the busyness yeah. of life and the focus of their children and they lose that sensual kind of relationship and then it's gone and it's very hard to get back. Yes, you can. There is a pathway back. But, yes, it is hard to get back. I think the, the for me the biggest thing, I guess the biggest relief after I did the research was the flame is always there. It just might be very dim. Yeah. And I think sometimes we feel like it's completely gone. Mm. And I think just there's a bit of comfort in knowing, well, it's not gone, it's just you can hardly see it, but it's still yeah. there. It's yeah. still there. And there are things you can do to bring it back. Talk to us about the pathway back. Yes. Well, I think before we talk about the pathway back, we should probably touch on where we actually are. Mm. Um, because <laughs> Okay, good, because I know where I am. There you go. <laughs> yes. Um, because I think it helps, yeah. like contextually, um, because we don't live in a vacuum. We live in a relationship, but then we live in a, a society and a household. And I think it's important to uh, understand the, the foundation first, if that's okay. Yeah. We start there. Perfect. Absolutely. Okay. Let's give like a 30-second rundown on the history of marriage. Ready? You got that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. This is going to be good. Uh, so essentially um, how we see our relationships today began in the Romanticism era, which was 1800s Europe. And essentially the Industrial Revolution freed up all this time for people and all of a sudden they cared a lot more about emotions and beauty and nature. And they thought, oh, let's just sit by the pond and write poetry to each other. And um, and so marriage prior to the Romanticism movement was really about economics. You have a house, I have some cows, boom, let's get together. And, mm. uh, and the purpose of marriage was economics. Interesting. And then as time went on... 
uh, the Industrial Revolution, the Romanticism era, there was more time and all of a sudden we wanted more from our relationships. And that has obviously continued. So now I want to be my best self through you and with you. You know, I want to realize my highest potential. And I also want to combine my finances and my children and um, maybe my animals. And, <laughs> and I also want you for uh, to fulfill all of my sexual needs. And yes. so all of a sudden, we've got something that was actually met by lots of different things, all existing in a unit of two. And that's a lot of pressure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that's why we feel that because we're like, well, I want you to be this for me today and I want you to be that for me tomorrow. And it's really hard wow. um, in yeah. that same environment. So then what the issue with this is that love and desire actually function on two different planes. Mm. Um, if we think of a uh, cake recipe, uh, they're different ingredients. Mm. And Unfortunately, with romanticism, they've connected sex and love so much together that we don't actually view them as two separate things. We see sex as an expression of love, mm. but it's actually separate. Yes. It it can. I mean, it does tether you together. It is sort of a, a validation of self. It is a way to share, you know, um, the things that are closest to you, but it, that's not its original yeah. purpose. Um, so if we think about love as um, having, and we think about desire as wanting. Oh, yes. And that's like the fundamental that. difference. Yeah. So love is all about commitment, familiarity, safety, um, sameness to a mm. degree, you know, mm. doing similar things and, and joining. Whereas desire uh, is all about Uh, anticipation, excitement, risk, novelty, spontaneity. And these are two completely different things. And when we expect that of one person, it's really, it's it's tough going, right, to be both in in exactly the same time. Yes. And so Esther Perel, who's the leading psychotherapist in couples, you might have seen her um, in the media, she basically says that this is the paradox of love and desire. And instead of trying to get both of them happening at the same time, we accept they're different, different environments, different contexts, different needs are being met. So make time for both. So right. it isn't about how do I fix this? And I think that's often we get in this mindset, like yep. how do I fix this? I don't really, I want to want him when I get to the end of the day, but I don't. How yes. am I going to fix that? Yes. Mm. yes. Well, it's not about fixing it. Yes. It's, okay, well, I'm not creating the conditions for that. Yes. Um, yes. And it exists separately too. Oh, well, I love him. So I love him. So I'm while I'm hanging out my clothes on the line, I'm just my desire is going to spontaneously combust. I mean, it would be great if that happened. Yes. <laughs> but, but it's it, not reality. But very it. time efficient. Yes, I'd appreciate it? that. It's like, yeah. well, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. But I think, and I think our listeners would, would be in this position too, when we become mothers yes. who also work and who, you know, take a large responsibility of the domestic duties, our life becomes about the to-do list. Yes. And if a child's having a problem, we want to fix it. If there's a problem at work, especially if we run our own businesses or if mm-hmm. we manage people, we want to fix it. If dinner's burnt, we want to fix. Do you know what I mean? Like we become the fixers. So no wonder we. that's how we approach this situation. And when also you become a mother, your body becomes very much about function. Absolutely. Yes. Not about what it used to be about. Yes. And it's yes. very hard to switch that in your brain from 
Well, I've been either pregnant or breastfeeding for the last eight years yes. consecutively. So I am very functional <laughs> yeah. currently. Yes. Look, that's a great point. So um, caretaking is one of six impacts, the main six main impacts, because we don't see ourselves as sensual beings. There, there is a real like icky, we might feel a bit icky Absolutely. imagining us as sexual beings while we're breastfeeding our child or okay. playing on the floor. Like yeah. they are, they need to exist in separate it's realms, right? Separate. Yeah. And also the other thing that happens when we're caretaking is the physical touch of children means that when we get to the end of the day, it's not that we don't want to, we don't need anything else. Yes. That tactile, yeah. and even though it's yep. a different touch, sexual yeah. touch Absolutely. is a different touch. I'm not eroticizing children no. but i am saying we are we are that that is that piece of us is satisfied in a different way yes and i and i'll testify to that i'm not a very touchy feely person i am with my children yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but you know how there's very tactile people and then there's not and my eldest daughter's exactly like me you know really i'll come to you she's like a cat and so am i anyway <laughs> I'll, I'll generally i'll generally just have one person in my life that I'll be tactile with. Anyway, when I didn't have children, that used to be Kev. And I would always be cuddling him and that sort of thing. When the kids come around, and he'll say it now, he'll say, I just, you know, I am last on mum's list Mm -hmm. now because she has you three to cuddle and, you know, she'll get to me never. But but I used to be there. I'm just not anymore. Yes. I don't take offence to that no. or heed to it much. But, you know, I'll get to, I'll get to it at one, at one stage. Yeah. So, and that's a, it's just a reality, right? That is just the reality. So the other thing that you were talking about, about the to-do list. So one of the other huge impacts, this is the main, well, it's not the main one. It's an important one, is that disconnection from mind and body. So what happens when we're living in our heads, when we're carrying responsibilities, when we want to present ourselves as capable and responsible, uh, is that we actually disconnect from uh, the feelings within our body. And when we aren't living within our body, we lose a lot of that intuitive sort of feel. And it actually becomes really hard to drop in, from, you know, drop down from your busy head and feel things and be present within your body. Um, it's a genuine hard task. I yeah. used to joke that, um, oops, I, sl- I slipped on some feelings. Oh, I've, I've got to stop that. You know, like <laughs> I didn't have time for feelings. You don't yes. have time for no. feelings yes. because everything is so scheduled that you can't afford to have a little life breakdown about something yes. right now. Um, Wallow in emotion. Correct. It feels indulgent. It does feel indulgent and there's not time for that. And I think mm. I'm going to have a meltdown, but it's going to be in three weeks. <laughs> yes. Because that's what's in my schedule. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I have time for it then. Yeah. Uh, we do actually schedule that. So um, when I was going through my divorce, I actually, you know, you have to keep, I had a job, I had things to do, but I would say, all right, at 7 p.m. tonight, when the kids are in bed, I can go to my wardrobe and cry. Like, yes. I'm not even kidding. I mean, yes. that is the reality, right? Because yes. Because you're serving others. Mm-hmm. Esther also talks a lot about females in particular, uh, Culturally conditioned for the other. So what that means is that we are conditioned to serve. What you were saying earlier, yeah. Jane, you know, um, looking after people and fixing things. And, and so the real question becomes, how can I stay connected to me while I'm caring for you? Yes. And we aren't that great at that boundary as women. In fact, 
It feels easier to abdicate self. Yes, but th- that's exactly it. That's exactly it is I can put myself last yeah. because uh, I'm okay with that. I'm tough. I can deal with yes. this. I'll catch up. I don't need it. You know, it's more important to get these other things done. And it's funny, even when we had this conversation six months ago and I go, oh, I didn't even realise that this was a thing or that this was addressable or whatever, but even still my hesitancy to kind of start this journey has been I'll need to make time for that. Yes, yes an important psychological distinction. So the third impact to desire is our sense of duty. So often what we do is we turn our, our sexuality into a thing to do or we sort of objectify it, we take it out of ourselves. Yeah. And so then we think, well, when he's approaching me for a cuddle or a kiss, you know, like you're brushing your teeth, trying to get ready to go to work. Yes. You're like, kids, can you put your freaking shoes on? Yes. Can you please just pack your bag? I've asked you Fresh. 10 times. <laughs> like, oh, my God, we, get, we need to get to dance by eight. And what are we doing? We're still standing here. So you're brushing your teeth. He comes by and like maybe kisses you on the neck. And all you, what do you do? You move your body away. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you think, I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. Yes. It feels out of context. It feels like, no. And it feels like you're adding to my yes. to-do list. Yes. Absolutely. And so part of the challenge uh, and having these conversations is a good start is thinking since when did affection become for him? Mm. Why isn't it for us? Yes. What do we get out of it? And I think we not we're not used to thinking in with those questions like from that lens. Oh well, okay, yeah, now's not the time. But but what am I actually getting out of it? And maybe another way to approach it is thank you that you still desire me. Thank you that you still want, you know, to kiss me or hug me. But I've actually got a meeting in half an hour, so let's pick this up. <laughs> Look at Stace. I, I just wish that this was a video because Stace is like literally entranced. Just she she can't actually speak at this point. <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of again, it's 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 this issue of that we put things outside of ourselves and we turn them into a to do. And it's like, well, can we internalize that? Can we actually genuinely get to a place where we think, no, I'm getting something out of this. And if I'm not, then the question isn't that I don't want it. The que- what Alain de Botton, who's a philosopher in this field, says is it, it means that the conditions for oh, intimacy right. haven't been met. Yeah. You know, by uh, rights, everyone w- desires. You know, I mean, it's our life force. It's, it's beyond sexual desire, isn't it? It's, it's our free will. It's yes. our, you know, impetus to do things. It's our motivation. It's an expression of everything we want. So if this is innate and part of us, then we do want it. It's just that the conditions haven't been met. So as a little takeaway for people that are listening for now, because we don't have to wrap this episode up and uh, join you for our next episode to go a little bit deeper, I think that takeaway that when that desired moment comes and the timing isn't right to be able to have not the move away reaction, but instead the reaction of, thank you. Yeah. Yes, that is lovely. I appreciate you. I appreciate that. Not now. Kids, get your shoes on. <laughs> but, yeah, but the acknowledgement and not the immediate. Because in that situation, I can see myself, and the reason I was like, oh, like just completely speechless and before and 
staring into space was because in that moment I snap and go, I don't have time for this. Absolutely. And that pushes him so much further away that even if he was going to come back and approach the moment at the end of the day, there's no way because I just snapped at him yeah. eight hours before. Like So having that little task to take away mm. I think will be useful mm. for me and useful for our listeners. Mm. But this has been awesome, Brooke. Thank you. Thank you. There's um, two questions that your listeners could also take away Go to start it. to think about this, you know, for their own selves. So a question that you could journal or ask about is, when I think of love, I think of what? So you would journal that. And when I desire, I feel so the two oh, questions, yeah, but they're designed to start getting you to think more deeply about what is the difference between love the and separation. desire? How does it, mm. how does it feel in my body? Yeah, um, and from a place of awareness, new actions, new actions can come. So if all we get from today is, oh, hang on, this is where we are. It's not ideal. We do just suck it up. We do just uh, turn everything into a to-do list. And if we can start to say, no, there are different ways that we can approach this that feel doable in our busy, hectic lives and that we can see that we get something from it too, not just sustaining and making our love last, but something for us personally. I think that's a great place to start. Yep, start there and then then you'll you'll a kind of I guess you'll be on a journey to work out the actions that feel right for you because probably there's not a one size fits all solution for everybody. Absolutely. I love it. Thanks for joining us, Brooke. Thanks so much for having me. We're going to wrap up this episode, but you will be able to join Brooke and Jane and I on our very next episode of Miss Bossy Boots. If you want more of Miss Bossy Boots, in the meantime, you can find us on Facebook. At facebook.com slash Miss Bossy Boots podcast. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to another Morgan Media Production.